Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, a truly long-awaited show for reasons that we will discuss, but we have Sahil Lavingia, the founder and CEO of Gumroad. So he's done a lot of other super impressive, pretty interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Sahil, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, even though I responded quite late. (laughs) I loved it. You know what? It's going to be worth the wait. Are you ready to dive in? I am. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Connect, a recruiting platform unlike any other. Whether you're looking to hire the best go-to-market talent or looking for your next opportunity, Bets can help. Bets has spent more than a decade building relationships with the world's most innovative companies and professionals. And for the first time ever, you can access this network with Bets Connect. As the only go-to-market recruiting platform built by recruiters and powered by recruiters, Connect enables you to search through a network of vetted go-to-market professionals actively looking for their next opportunity and make better hires faster. In addition, Bets Connect clients the ROI within 90 days. Plus, if you're looking for your next big opportunity, you can join the Bets Network and get connected with the world's most innovative companies that are looking to hire go-to-market professionals like you. Learn more about hiring top talent or finding your next role at BetsRecruiting.com slash non-technical. Sahil Lavingia is the founder and CEO of Gumroad. He invests in startups and is the author of The Minimalist Entrepreneur, a book about starting sustainable software businesses from scratch, which is out October 26, 2021. Sahil, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's my true pleasure. And what I was alluding to earlier is that you were one of, admittedly, I'm just telling you the truth, you were one of my first DMs to ask for people to come on the show. I looked at our Twitter history. It is before the show even came out. I DM'd you. Amazing. And then a short 10 months later, (laughs) (laughs) that sweet, sweet return DM hit my inbox. I loved it. It's, you know, kind of been in the back of my mind. I was like, yeah, I really want to do that podcast, but I just don't know when's the right time for it. Now's the time. Now's the time. I think that's great because think about how much better I've probably gotten at doing the show by now. Yeah, that's true. We've logged at least 40 episodes. You could have been one of the guinea pigs, which I think that would have been fun for a different reason. But now I'm like, here we go. Let's do it, baby. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is like mile 22 of the marathon. That's right. Exactly. So Sahil, okay, I'm so excited to chat with you. Of course, I know you from the internet and from the Twitter world, which we all know and love. By the way, I had somebody say to me about your tweets. I literally want a book of Sahil's tweets. They're so clever, yet simple and inspiring that is a literal direct quote amazing i know so shout out to sahil's twitter (laughs) let's start here tell me this how did you spend your last day off my last day off was i guess do weekends count as days off yeah yeah sunday i ran a half marathon oh my gosh my second half marathon so i've officially run a marathon congratulations yeah absolutely (laughs) was it an organized half marathon like it was it was the first organized one that I did. It was the Portland Marathon. And yeah, I ran it in two hours and 15 minutes. Congrats. Is that a time that you wanted? Was that the goal? Yeah, my, my goal was to finish. Yeah, okay. So that's the number one. And the number two was to not walk. Okay. As long as I did those two things, I felt great. So I feel good. Good. Wow, I'm really stoked for you. Is running something that's been a big part of your life for a while, or is that new? No, not really. The last time I ran before the half marathon, I ran three miles, a little less than three uh, miles. So it was painful. Wait, so you went from three to 13? Yeah, exactly. And you're okay? 
I'm in a little bit of pain. Uh, going into it, I'm like, I know I can do this. Great, yeah. Which is kind of the, one of the worst feelings too, right? Because then when you, if you don't do it, then yep. you're kind of like, mm, I could have, I just That's right. gave up, right? So I knew I could get into, I could do it. But uh, yeah, it was it was rough. Mile eight and onwards was uh, was quite painful. But my, my wife signed up and I, I had this habit of agreeing to do something okay. and, and kind of committing in a lightweight way. But then when, when the kind of, when I get close to it, I, I get really mm. excited about it. It's not- yes a side project anymore, no. you know, that sort of thing. And so she signed up, she says, Hey, do you want to run this half marathon with me? And I was like, I'll sign up and just walk it. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to the starting line and you're like, I can run for a bit and then I can walk. Yeah. And then I just decided I might as well just run the full thing. And so now I have a milestone, something to beat. That's amazing. Wait, so does that mean that you didn't decide your two goals to not walk and to finish it? You decided that once you'd started. Yeah, my initial goal was just to just to walk it. No, wow, out there. <laughs> That's hardcore. I, I'm here. You know, I might as well run. I, it was kind of an impromptu decision. I mean, that's the beauty of these organized things, right? Is that it gets you to do something that you probably don't. I totally agree. The only way that I ever started running, which I don't do anymore, but when I was habitual about it, it was because I would force myself to sign up for races. Because mm -hmm. I was like, well, there's a date and time where I will be showing up to run X number of miles. So I better know how to do it by then. Yeah. And you work backwards, uh, you yeah, know, from totally. that. So it works. It's like just committing to anything, you know, publicly. It's necessary. I think, especially when you're beginning a new hobby or something like that, it's just so hard to kind of go from zero to one, you know, by yourself at home. Totally. Nights and weekends. Like, I just think it's, you kind of need that accountability, that peer pressure and, and support group, et cetera. When you're not running, I know that you do some art. Is that right? Some painting, some drawing? Yeah. Yeah. I draw. I do some plein air painting. What is that? I think it's short for on plein air, which is French for, I believe, on location or oh. kind of in the wilderness or something like cool. that. Basically, it means you go to a place. It can be really anywhere. It's okay. effectively still lifes, but outside. So you just go outside and you you set up and you just paint kind of what's in front of you, a barn or a tree yeah. or a field or what have you. But that's kind of how a lot of the kind of California impressionists like painted and really yeah the, the thing that I love about about plain air painting is you only have an hour and a half because the sun is your light source and so <gasps> if you take too long the sun moves and then the shadows change and the colors change oh my gosh sorts of things and it's harder even at sunset and sunrise right because the kind of the gradations of the sun are, are much more extreme I love activities like that where you're forced to kind of do it in a I mean kind of like a half marathon like I kind of like yeah. fixed commitment and then i know like okay if i i have this much time and then i'm done i don't have to think about this for two days totally so i do that and i do gesture drawing i go to a drawing studio every wednesday and thursday draw a live nude model for three hours generally it's oh it's gosh. split into you know a bunch of different smaller poses uh shorter poses sure. as little as 30 seconds or a minute up to 40 50 minutes twice a week you do that yeah that's a big chunk of time to spend doing art when gumroad kind of went sideways in 2015 i moved to provo utah left san francisco and started writing science fiction and, and painting and i effectively was a full-time creator oh my god at that point i was doing it 20 hours a week that was my thing at that point i was doing three six hour sessions in a row. And it's amazing because imagine sitting, trying to be productive at home for three hours straight, like I can't yeah. even do. But similar sure. to the half marathon, like when you're in a studio and you're mm -hmm. surrounded by other people doing this thing. And it's kind of this, someone mm -hmm. said it to me really well, where it's like half collaboration and kind of cooperation and half mm -hmm. competition it drives you to be better and, and, you know, you can kind of steal techniques from, from the people around you to improve faster than you may have otherwise. So that sounds a lot like how you might describe actually doing standup because oh, when yeah? you're testing jokes with other comedians, it's both collaborative and competitive, 
I tend to view it as far more collaborative because I love the idea that we've all shown up there to get better together. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, there is that competitive element of, I want to get the laugh. Yeah. I want this joke to hit. And it's ultimately, it's on you, right? Like no one can do it for you. Like they can exactly. help you, but you're the one yeah. who has to show up and you have to perform. And if, you know, you're the one who's going to fail, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Have you ever been known as the something person? Like, you know, in school or at work or something like that at a job? Irreverent is kind of a word that yeah. often is used, or aloof is another one. I oh, think really? often get described as irreverent and aloof. Those are $10 words right there. Irreverent and aloof. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Irreverent and aloof. That's great. For Scrabble. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not too good, I think, at uh, following, following rules that I don't like. Like, I like following oh, okay. rules, but, you know, if I feel like, hmm, I don't know, this doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Can you think of a rule that you don't like that you didn't follow recently? I'm asking because I'm curious about the scale of the rule following. I don't like that you can't turn right on red. I'm going to turn right on red. Or are these more like societal rules? I definitely think stop signs are yield signs. Okay, uh, <laughs> they're optional. <laughs> a big one is just this general sort of attitude that you have to go to school to learn something. Like, I really believe with art or stand up mm -hmm. or any, you know, maybe it's just because I tend to be drawn to, you know, I'm not trying to become a doctor or something. Yes. Yes. Watching YouTube videos or something like that. <laughs> like learning yeah, you know, online. Give, give Khan Academy some time or something like that. But yeah, right. Especially in sort of 2021, like just you can kind of learn anything. And often with drawing, people say, hey, you must have taken classes. And I'm like, no, I just show up and, and yeah. draw. And I, I think the thing that I love about drawing from a live model and yeah. running a half marathon and from planar painting is it's just kind of a relationship between, between you and life. Like there's nothing yes. in between. It's not like mm -hmm. you're learning from a teacher that's like, hey, this is how you do something. It's just completely on you. And I, I actually remember yes. I was I was taking a workshop. So I do take some classes, I guess, but I was taking a workshop and I was I was copying the instructor painting a tree. So I wasn't painting the tree in front of me. I was kind of trying to learn how this person was painting the tree because I love the way that he paints trees. And he like comes over and he's like, that's not your tree. That's my tree. Like if you want to learn how to paint trees, you have to paint trees. Like that's how you learn how to mm. paint trees. You're not learning how to paint trees. If you, you're learning how I paint trees, which is like very different. You're never going to get ahead. You're never going to beat me. You're never going to come up with wow. like, some new interesting way to do this, riding my coattails. Uh, and so yeah. well, I kind of am often reminded of that. Like when, anytime I'm figure drawing, it's just me and what my brain thinks the thing in front yep. of me looks like for better or worse. And, and the yeah. cool thing is you just do it frequently enough, like stand up, I assume, like you just can't yeah. help, but get better. Like you, even if you didn't want to. Exactly. Yeah. Paint the tree. That's good advice. That's a tweet right there. <laughs> this is why people love the tweets. Simple and inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> you said that people described you as aloof. How do you feel about that? Do you agree? I honestly didn't like it at first because I, I always feel, I don't know, pretty present, pretty, pretty there. But I do think that I have like a, a sort of protectiveness about me. Okay. I'm a, kind of a solitary person. And I, I kind of mm -hmm. like my, my own schedule to be my own. And mm -hmm. there's kind of that famous meme of, of like the, uh, the scheduled call in the middle of the day, like sort of wielding a knife at somebody ruining the I've day. I've never seen that meme, but that speaks to my heart. <laughs> I have a lot of flexibility and I'm going to be doing a lot of work, but there's like one scheduled call. I like, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you're thinking about it. Exactly. Exactly. I do think I'm aloof. I have a lot of different projects. And even though I don't work on any one, you know, I don't work 60 hours a week on a single project, I end up probably sure. working 60 hours a week on like three or four different things. The thing where I kind of rub up against society in a way is with emails where there's just so many people who or emails and meetings where there's so many people who want to like, they, they don't want to tell me 
what they want to talk about. It's kind of like the the can we talk conversation or we need to talk conversation. I know. Applied to the professional. I think it's like a fireable offense, honestly. Like it's or it should be. Like yes. it's not actually right. You have three strikes or something like that. I get emails all the time that are like, hey, I would love to talk about X or Y or this. And I'm like, yeah. if you email me what you want to talk about, I can literally spend an hour doing my own research, like doing all of this work and then 100%. give you all this information. And so, yeah, I, I, I find that, that that's one of the big ones where I really struggle with. And, you know, sometimes you have to do it. You're working with a bank. Banks do like you to play by the rules. That's what I've learned in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense but uh yeah that that's that's a big one and and i've actually started to like anytime the, my fight or flight goes off happens in these experiences where i just want to run away or freak out or something yep. i started using keyboard shortcuts for my responses to all of these things oh hell yeah i think for me it's n-o-m-t-g no meeting and i'll just yep. fill kind of like hey you know let me know if you can just have this conversation via email and if it I makes sense that. we can schedule a meeting and, and that has saved me like tons and tons of time and no one knows. You cast the spell. Exactly. You, I Everyone cast my knows. little spell and everything shows up. Yeah, it, it is like that. It, it does feel like Wingardium Leviosa. But... It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so Sahil, do you have a catchphrase or other words or phrases that you or your friends or people in your life feel are specific to you? I mean, build in public, people love to to say when talking about the stuff that I do, um, which has okay. kind of become its own little meme on, on the internet nowadays, like just the build in public, like learn yes. in public, fail in public, like all that yeah. sort of stuff. I will admit to you, I've made fun of that phrase before. Are you yeah. saying that you, did you come No, up? that's fair. No, I, I, I don't really like the phrase, to be honest. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, it, but it is often used to describe. It's used to describe you or you say it? No, it's used to describe me. I don't. Okay, I'm curious too, to hear I don't feel as bad. I thought you were telling me like, oh, I coined the phrase build in public. And um, then I was like, ooh, I made a video once where um, I really made fun of that. What's a word or phrase that people attribute to you or feel are specific to you? Like for me, friends of mine will note that I say, who's to say? Interesting. I use the phrase trust the process a lot. Mm. I really enjoy because, you know, it, I think it has a kind of a two-parter where the, you know, the, obviously the, kind of the first pass of it is, you know, trust the process. But, but the second thing is if the process isn't working, like, the goal isn't to not trust the process. The goal is to like change the process so that we can trust it, right? Like totally. that's the goal. It's almost like trusting the process will reveal whether the process needs to change. Exactly. And if you don't trust the process, then you're never going to... You won't learn from it. Yeah. You, you almost need to trust the process that led to the process. Exactly. That you need. I tell a lot of the kind of the team that often, like we have to trust the process because if it's broken, which I might even agree with you that it's broken, yes. like the way we figure that out is by like running through it and then mm -hmm. seeing all the broken parts and then fix it. The other one that I often say is just try it. Mm -hmm. Like people often ask, hey, a lot of the code for Gumroad back in the day is kind of, you know, I show up in the in the, in the the commit history. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of people are like, hey, you know, what happens if I change this? Like, is it cool to change this? And I'm, I'm always just like, change it and see what happens. Yep. See what happens is probably a good one for me. Just see what happens. Like there's no real downside. Show up, see what happens. And they both kind of feel like me just saying like, maybe it is the aloof thing. Like go away. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. Like I don't, I'm not essential, uh, as essential as you may, you may think I am. Mm, those are good ones. Yeah, you know, I would like to be right. I, I kind of want to be non-essential, right? Like that's kind of the goal. So. Oh yeah. Do you know how much I want to talk about work right now with you? It sounds like <laughs> We can start another podcast. Or okay, something. good. Technical. <laughs> Is there a fad that you look back on participating in, and this could be something fashion, workout, cultural, whatever, that looking back makes you a little cringy? Yeah, oh my gosh. I was really into Vibrams. 
what is back that? in the day those five finger shoes oh no no oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. i know not just vibrams because that that's a package deal right like you're not just into vibrams. no of course not that's never anybody's <laughs> singular personality trait <laughs> yeah I think I was actually working at Pinterest at the time. I just moved to, you know, Silicon Valley yeah. and Palo Alto and stuff. And I decided that, you know, I got really into paleo and all that kind of stuff. Ketosis and barefoot running. I read Born to Run and I was like, oh yeah, humans don't need shoes. Like oh we can God. just run everywhere. Yeah. Like this is why we're amazing. And so, but everybody gave up on those, it feels. Is that right? It does feel like it. Yeah. Like you don't really hear about it anymore. I do think that they basically took their technology, I think sold it to kind of other, other they kind of companies. They put it inside a shoe? So I think they're still in shoes. It turns out, I think you can get the value of whatever kind yeah. of barefoot-esque material mm-hmm. uh, without having it look like you're wearing gorilla feet yeah. or something like that. They are truly abhorrent to behold by the human eye. I think it's sort of like the controversial kind of get canceled playbook, right? Which Mm. is like, maybe they kind of needed to do something kind of stupid where everyone kind of makes fun of them as a way of getting everyone to know that this is even a thing. And then, I don't know, maybe this is the grand master plan. One, I just remembered that you're not the first person to say the barefoot running shoes on this podcast as their fad. So I just want to know that you're not alone. And also that makes perfect sense. But then the second thing that I wanted to say is, it feels like this is what you just described is what happened with Crocs, but it's like yeah. they played the ultimate long game. Crocs yes. were so uncool for so long. And then I don't know what the fuck happened in the last 12 months. And all of a sudden we've got, what is it like Balenciaga and Crocs or whatever? There are collaborations I couldn't even perceive of. Yeah. We just got to wait for the Uggs come back now. Oh boy. Do you think they're coming back? I don't know. Probably not with, with global warming and stuff, I guess. so maybe they are trying to diversify a little bit but i do really think that crocs are a great example of what you're describing which is they were famous for being so horrible and then all of a sudden i don't know what happened probably tiktok when something like that happens i'm like i think tiktok was involved in some way in today's culture definitely so then maybe that's what's going to happen with the vibram five finger five toe barefoot situation <laughs> they'll come back and be a fashion statement i'll they'll come cry back seen them in engagement parties oh in the met gala Sahil, i will cry real tears if that is what happens to our culture we should just walk barefoot you think really this is how i know you don't live in new york city i know yeah i know i live, yeah. <laughs> I live in the suburbs so maybe you know we definitely have to clean the streets yeah. uh this kind of goes back to trust the process right like Let's get to a place where we can all just walk barefoot. How amazing would that, that would be? Honestly be the you ever go to someone's house or office or something like yeah. that and they ask you, and it just feels, it's like so nice. To take off your shoes? Yeah, it feels I so like good. I like to wear shoes all the time. I'm wearing shoes oh. right now and I'm at home. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. It just, just, it feels, feels good? better. Also, I'm wearing wow. very cozy. <laughs> Do you know what I'm wearing? I'm wearing, um, uh, I'm wearing <laughs> the Allbirds that they made, that they put out in like March or April that look like tiny sheep. Like they oh, yeah. look like sheep feet. I, it looked like I'm wearing sheep on my feet. And I only wear them inside because living in New York, these would get ruined if you set foot outside for even a moment. I'm wearing my little sheepies. Very nice. <laughs> Which they gave me because I mentioned them in one of my comedy videos. And then they were like, do you want some shoes? <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Send those sheeps right on over. Bring those sheeps out to pasture, baby. My feet are ready. <laughs> So Sahil, is there anything that your 
family did growing up that at the time you thought was normal and then later you realized was extremely weird or not something that other families did? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of those. This is something I learned actually like really recently. But we, we used to go to the same restaurant every Sunday, always. Really? Like every time. What and was the restaurant? And where'd you grow up? I think it was called the Pacific Room or something like that. I grew up in Singapore. Oh, really? Yeah, literally every Sunday forever, like yeah. we would just go eat lunch at the same exact restaurant. And like, I don't even remember eating out not at that restaurant. Like wow. the only place that we ate out as a family was like basically this single restaurant. It was great. I just didn't realize like, yeah, that's, we literally just went there. Any idea why? I think it was just easy and comfortable. You know, yeah. my parents are very comfortable creatures, yep. creatures of comfort. Yeah, They just actually moved to the to the U.S., but they, you know, they kind of had been in Singapore and I moved to the U.S. to go to college. And it's funny because every like 18 months they would try going back to the U.S., really? you know, my mom's U.S. and everything. And they would come back to the U.S. They try like L.A., yeah. like Newport Beach, you know, they try different spots and they'd always be like, this is kind of to your point. Like you can't walk around barefoot here, yeah. you know, that sort of like you can't, kind of can in Singapore if you really wanted to, you know. It's I've never been to Singapore, but my understanding is that it's incredibly impeccably clean. Is that right? It is. It feels like you're walking indoors almost wow. like you're walking in a mall with no ceiling. You know, it's just super, super, super clean. And 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 there's kind of the, the famous like gum thing that people say, right, you, oh, you yes. go to jail gum or, or whatever you can chew gum you can't litter definitely littering has okay. some 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 aggressive fines but it, turns out it leads yeah i mean me neither that was, that was my thing as a kid right where i was like who cares what the fine is because i don't who litters honestly if you litter don't listen to my podcast anymore you're kicked out <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine littering why would you litter there's no reason no litter yeah new york's great now they have like trash cans like every 20 feet or something like that like this is important to me. In New York, there are trash cans, like you said, every 20 feet. It's great. If you have trash, you throw it in a trash can. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. In San Francisco, no trash cans anywhere. It makes me crazy. Yeah, it, it's true. Yeah, even in Portland, there's like no trash cans. What is that about? It's like, oh, if we just don't put the trash cans out, no one will generate trash. Like, that's not how this goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very, very strange. But uh, yeah, clean streets, clean trash. Okay, well, that's like definitely one of the smallest hills that I'm willing to die on. I would love to know what is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something like that, like inconsequential <laughs> that you would really go to bat for. I think everyone should have an iPhone. Okay. Like I just really believe strongly that Android kind of sucks. Sure. My brother actually worked at Google on Android for a while. So we have these kind of debates. Every time I send him an, a new app, I'm like, check out this new app. He's like, is it on Android? And I'm always like, no, it's not on freaking Android because no one who builds apps. Builds for Android, of course. <laughs> builds for Android because it sucks. <laughs> so does he still use an Android? Yeah, he is on the Android train and it's kind of the hill that he'll die on and it's also mm. the hill that I'll die on. It's kind of like a, almost like a comedy duo or something like that. One of my best, best friends also has an Android. It's because she too worked at Google. I think this is a big old scheme. I think that this is the only way that Android is still in the ecosystem is that all the Googlers out there are so freaking loyal to these Androids even after they leave the company. And then we, the smart people who've chosen iPhones, have to suffer the consequences of these green bubbles and them not being able to be in group text and not being able to get our little reactions to things. Oh, yeah. Every time you react to something and it's like, a new name, text. It's like oh, come on. Gosh. And it's too dramatic, too. It's like, Alexis Gay has loved... I'm on my way. I didn't love I'm on my way. I threw a heart on that. Like, come on. I do hate how iOS, when you type o -O -O -M -W, mm -hmm. it turns to on my way ex exclamation, exclamation mark. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not that excited. You're like, I am a reverend and aloof. Of course, you can change those keyboard shortcuts. You should change yours to like 
on my way, no capitalization, no punctuation at all. Like two periods. Oh, two periods would be perfect because it's like you couldn't even put the third one. You don't need it. Sahel, <laughs> if you were kidnapped and you had the chance to communicate with your friends and family and you had to secretly let them know that something was wrong, what would you say? I'm in meetings all day or something like that. Oh, really? <laughs> It would surprise them to know that you had a full day of meetings? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, If I said, yeah, sorry, I'm busy. I have meetings all day, they'd probably think something is up. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting because I've asked a few folks that question, and it's almost the opposite. People will say, oh, (laughs) like, I'm totally free today, and I have nothing going on. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I did this lecture or whatever at Stanford, um, other business school things, and and it, it was kind of funny because, and they were like, we got to let you go. You know, people always say this at the end. They're like, you, you probably have another thing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to waste your time or whatever. And I'm like, I was literally like, I have nothing going on. Ah, were they surprised? Yeah, they were. And I'm like, I just spent an hour talking about like how I run Gumroad and why right. I hate meetings, you know, this kind of asynchronous blah, blah, blah. And, and yes, that means that like, I don't have anything to yeah. go to. Like, you know, this is like, I'm just going to look at my dms and hope something interesting happens you know um it's very it's very reactionary i basically just re- react to things mm. which i guess maybe you just end up doing like 10 years in your career or something like that like you kind of say yes you know every once in a while and, and 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 it seems to work but yes my attitude towards all that stuff has definitely changed yeah like you know you have a podcast people start will want to be on your podcast mm-hmm. right it's, it kind of yeah it's usually about 10 months after i ask them i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> well that was my rule i was like okay this <laughs> 10 months in, like, if this thing's still going. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you had to trust the process. I mean, you had a great uh, thing, and I was like, yeah, this is obviously going to be successful. But I get so many DMs from people that are like, hey, I have a new podcast. And then I kind of go to the thing, and it's like episode one, yeah. you know. And I'm like, uh, you know, maybe maybe in 10, 10 episodes. I can't so. believe anybody said yes to me at number zero. Who was the first person? I had five or six episodes booked before I published the first one. And it was Anker from Teachable, Cassidy Williams, who's at Cassidy Online. She's hysterical. And she's oh, also she's the fun. director of developer evangelism at Netlify. Scott Belsky, chief product officer at Adobe, Webb Smith from 2PM, and Megan Quinn, the COO of Niantic. Those are the first five. Awesome. All of them, I believe, said yes before I had published a single episode. So major shout out to them because they took a swing. We love to see it. That's awesome. Yeah. They're all great you know, also shout out to you. Like we said, you trusted the process. And now here you are. <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? I would go back to science fiction writing. Really? That's really what I wanted to do. Yeah, in 20, 2017 mm. to 2020, literally up until I wrote, I published this essay reflecting on my failure to build a billion dollar company in 2019. And it was kind of my goodbye to the startup industry, honestly. Mm. I was. These are my reflections on 10 years of trying yeah. And doing okay, and like I'm gonna go paint and draw and yeah. write science fiction and fantasy forever. And then, ironically, like that blog posted well enough that it kind of gave me the Twitter audience that I have now, and that kind of wow. got me back into startups wow. and, and investing. And yeah, it was literally like when I hit publish on that essay, like you know, that was when I was doing 20 hours a week of yep. of like drawing and 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 science fiction writing and, and things. And that still is kind of a dream of mine is to 
write a science fiction. I, I've written actually, I've written two books, not neither good enough to publish. Oh no. One's called He Rises. It's an epic fantasy novel, hundred thousand words. Just recently I finished uh, the, the Last Park Ranger, which is like a science fiction novel, much shorter. It's like 50, 50 or so thousand. And when you say you finished them, but you don't feel that they could be published, what's the difference there for you? I finished like a draft that makes some sort of sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> reading it from beginning to end, yeah. but it's not at a quality level that I would wish anyone to read it without yeah. getting paid. I see, I see. If that makes sense. Like my editor, I would feel comfortable with her reading it sure. or my agent or something like that, but uh, not the mainstream audience yet. It's kind of funny because I ended up, my third book that I wrote, which is a nonfiction yes. book, The Minimalist Entrepreneur, did get published. It's a lot easier to write facts than make stuff up. Of course. <laughs> Turns out. Honestly, even, even your comedy videos, like it's so hard. I think people often watch them and they're like, this is not that hard. You just like open this up and you rant for two <laughs> minutes and, you, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you're seeing the final product. You're not seeing like the, all of the, who knows how many yep. different versions, right. Uh, that you, that you go through and writing creatively is, is, is like that where you like read something and you're like, Oh, obviously this makes yes. sense. And you try to write your own thing. And you're like, I can't even come up with like an interesting character. Hmm. It's a startup person who likes code and like, it's just <laughs> this is stupid like this i know is what so you dumb. mean yeah. i'm like brunette um millennial uh who is very intense about work stuff you know what i mean it's like oh shit did it again. not a memoir <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah i would love i would love to get get back into into that i'd love to see that i would love to see you publish those books me too once this book is out with penguin i'll follow up and say hey so not you know science fiction uh that you know, might, maybe that'll work Let's make it happen. And then stand comedy is honestly another another one that I would love you to do. You have to do it. Is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? Redbone by Childish Gambino. Oh, really? Where does that take you? That takes me back to Get Out, watching that movie, which I think is still like one of the best movies I've ever consumed. Like just Absolutely. so perfect, like just perfect art. art movie for an hour and a half. And just recently got unseated, I think, by Promising Young Woman, which I thought was a phenomenal movie. If you haven't I seen. have been dying to oh, see that. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, really amazing. Amazing cast in that one. And then Lemon Tree. I don't know if that's the name of the song. Do you know that song? Lemon Tree. I don't know. That's miserable. <laughs> I thought that was good because it is, it's an older song. Yeah, right? it is. Yes, da, yes, da, I know da, 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 da. Something, something Garden mm-hmm. is like the, the people who came up with that. Devil's Garden. Okay. Soundgarden, something like that. Anyway, that, that just brings me back to like being on the swing and as a kid. Oh, like really little. It's like my childhood song. Yeah. Where, where'd you hear it, do you think? It must have been, you know, one of those like top 40s or something, you know, from like 2004 yeah. or something like that. Uh-huh. I, I actually re- remember that it was like every kid, I guess, like had their 20 songs that they would yeah. know, you know, by heart. And that was that was one was of it them. on CD. It was. Yeah, it was on CD. Yep, yep. Oh, that was a crazy experience. Like I was thinking about the other day, like, you know, when I started going to school, like kindergarten or middle school, like it was floppy disks. Yep. And then when I graduated high school, it was like USB drives. That's crazy that like we went yes. from like, that. All of that happened from like CDs, mm-hmm. DVDs, HD DVDs for a bit, Blu-ray. A hot minute. Yep. Yeah. Now it's now, not now it's just all digital. I guess you don't even need any of these things anymore. You know, uh, I just bought a switch a Nintendo switch and then it's like, yeah. I love my switch. Don't need games. Like you don't, you just buy stuff on the store. So How do you feel about that? Because part of me liked having the physical games. I still have my Nintendo 64 and I still have my cartridges and there's something I like about 
like the tactile sensation of putting a game in. But then I love the convenience of my Nintendo Switch with all of my games just right there in front of me. Yeah. Do you do you read physical or ebooks? I uh, prefer to read physical books mm. or I will listen, but I don't like ebooks. I don't enjoy the experience of reading on like an iPad or a Kindle. Interesting. Interesting. I guess a Kindle's okay, but then at the end of it, I'm like, well, where to go? <laughs> I want to look at my books. I miss having like a track, right? like a paper trail of like these are the exactly books. a literal paper trail. Like I like to look back and see all the books that I've read. Exactly. Yeah. It feels, it feels good. It feels there's, there's something nice about it where you like look at it and you're like, oh, I, you know, I did that or I played this or it evokes some memory in, in your yes. brain. But I hate stuff. Like having stuff? Yeah, you know, I wrote a book called The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Like That's I just, right. When I first started getting into painting, I think there was a point where literally like a majority of the things that I owned were related to painting. Like in terms oh, wow. of mass. Yes. You know, because like to do anything in tech, it's just like a laptop and you have a phone or whatever, right? And an internet right. connection. But then with painting, it's like you need an easel and brushes and oil and a lot of stuff, medium and canvases and storage of these canvases and like all this, all this crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And I should probably get into digital art. I guess that would be the hmm. the obvious solution to it. You know, procreate on iPad or something like that. But uh, it does look really cool. But yeah, I just love oil paint so much. Like there's, and I think part of it is like a revolt. I think against tech, where I was like, you know. So obsessed with software and scale and billion dollar companies and, and, and oil painting is kind of like the farthest away from that. It's like, there's not a lot of money here. It takes time. There's no real way to speed this thing up. Like literally you have to wait for the oil to evaporate, you know, yeah. uh, like it's very slow. You can't even use your phone really because like you have oil paint all over you. Yeah. That stuff is not washable whatsoever. No. I like that. I kind of like having this, this thing that kind of reminds me of like, you know, tech isn't the end all be all right and, and maybe, totally maybe it's the same that. thing with like the nintendo stuff and so it's just like <laughs> just i have work. other things that i do that are <laughs> even less technical than the nintendo switch but wait do you have games for it yet you said you just bought it i've been playing rocket league a lot which is a brilliant brilliant game is that the one where it's trucks and soccer yes exactly <laughs> i've played that exactly it, that that's a good example right of like just a simple idea that like when you hear it you're like duh but i'm sure like, <laughs> it's not easy to kind of actually come up with the with the concept but it's a it's such a fun game that's such a like a like a silly game do you know what i mean like when you're playing it it's just like so silly like yeah, you're, uh, you, just these the, big ass trucks the problem that I have sometimes with games, I kind of mentioned, like, I kind of take everything pretty seriously. Like, I can't help but, but like, show up and be like, okay, I got to run this thing or, or yeah, what have yeah. you. And video games are, are often like that, right? Where I'm like, mm. I don't need to be the best, right? Like, I need to get better every day. And I need to, like, I, I turn everything into a job, which uh, sure. is a personality trait, I guess. But Rocket League, it, like, resists that, you know? It's built in such a way that you can't really take it seriously. Literally, you're a giant truck playing soccer like there's only so much that you can do yeah and i assume the people on the other side are like three and four years old you know like i have no idea who's right. on the other side of this thing and so it's, yeah it's just it's just funny and there's no voice chat finally found a game that like doesn't feel like like worth there are other games that i really want to play like red dead redemption 2 and like things like mm. that and and i literally like i bought it i have it on my you know now i have a pc which is like now i have my painting stuff and my like gaming pc stuff that's like 80 percent of what i own and I just can't bring myself to play it because it feels like work. Like, it's like I have to, like, set aside time. And one time I ended up YouTubing someone else playing a video game because I just really? like, didn't want to play. I wanted to, like, 
like consume that story. Yeah, well, they're getting Hollywood level at this point. Exactly. Right? Some of the writing and the development and the narrative supposed to be incredible. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And they're like, you know, they're like 10, 15 hour movies effectively. I really want to get lost in a game like that because it's been so long since I've played a game where I felt like, oh my gosh, I just want to keep playing this and keep seeing the story and watching it unfold. So I'm definitely in the market for something like that. But I just wanted to commiserate with you about being obsessive a little bit about wanting to be good at stuff because just so you know, I read a book called The Inner Game of Tennis, which is about athletic performance to get better at Mario Kart. So that's a thing that you should know about me. Are you you very good at Mario Kart? You must be. I am now significantly better at Mario Kart. (laughs) Anytime you want to play. If you download Mario Kart, honestly, let me know. (laughs) For Switch? Yeah, you can play it. I haven't actually played Mario Kart on Switch yet, so. Dude, it's so fun. It's so fun. I'm such a Nintendo fangirl. That's awesome. I really like playing a game just for, like, you know, that kind of the line, like, journey, not destination or whatever. Yes, of course. It's so hard, I feel like to find things where I really am doing it purely for the journey of it. Like it's so hard to, you know, even with, you know, running or like, it's so easy to think about it in terms of like getting somewhere, you know? Yes. And so when you can find something like that, where you're literally just doing it to do it, it's like, it's, uh, it's such an amazing feeling. Like I remember reading Redwall, uh, that sort of kid series that, uh, of books. I I remember forgetting the like reality like was a thing mm-hmm. you read those yes. books as a kid and you like go into a trance almost or like i don't even yeah. trying to find that as an adult is is like it's harder it's much harder maybe i don't know why like maybe you just don't have the capacity to do that anymore or you have just mm. many things going on in your life that you can't really focus you know kind of forget the world exists always trying to to find those things rocket league is close to that for me trucks playing soccer who knew <laughs> okay saha we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Whether you're looking to hire the best go-to-market talent or looking for your next opportunity, Bets can help. Okay, friends, I'm bringing you what I think may be the one and only time I allow myself to use a phrase like this on the podcast. Here we go. Let's talk about the future of work. I'm not telling you anything you don't know when I say the future of work is kind of happening right now. Companies all over are figuring out whether they want folks in the office or out of the office or kind of in the office or pods or whatever. You may be having those conversations at your company and you may or may not like what's being decided. Either way, the good news is you can join the Bets Recruiting Network to find a company that's totally aligned with what you're looking for from your work setup. Whether that's being in office, best buds with your desk mate, or literally never finding out how tall your coworker is. Learn more about finding your next role or hiring top talent at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Sahil Lavingia, the founder and CEO of Gumroad. Sahil, we've reached a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Do you know where we are? We're near the end or halfway. We're near the end. And (laughs) at the end is the lightning round. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Black. How much coffee do you drink per day, would you say? Half a cup on average. Really? That's it? Just half a cup? (laughs) Wait, how do you brew only half a cup? I buy a cup of coffee and I drink it over two days. Oh my God. So yeah, this is my, I'm on my, my second day of this. <laughs> okay. So for our listeners, Sahil just held up an unhinged, uh, two day old, it looks like a Starbucks cold brew. It is it a Starbucks like a grande. nitro cold brew tall, I think. A tall? You're only drinking half a tall? <laughs> you, know, you can ask for a short. What? You can ask for a short. It's a secret off menu size. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Wait, try that. I will. I'll ask for a short. This is made up, aren't you? Like, 
No, 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 no. I would never do that. I would never do that. Oh my gosh, making someone look stupid would be like my nightmare. Seriously, I'll, I'll, I'll do some research to back this up. But you can order a short at many Starbucks. Oh, amazing. Okay, I'll, t- I'll try that next time. Then I. Oh my god, if you try it, will you please tell me what happens? Yes, I will. Let you know. If they say no to you or they're rude to you, I'll buy your coffee. I'll Venmo you. Okay, I promise. One hundred percent promise. Awesome. Great. Do you have a favorite board game? As a kid, I loved Snakes and Ladders. That was fun. And and Checkers is probably my favorite today that I really? would Really? But uh, yeah, I can't get into Sellers of Catan or any of those other ones that people love. I get that. Hmm. Okay. I do like Apples to Apples. I don't know if that counts as a board. That's a fun That's one. Game, but yeah. Apples to Apples, the more wholesome Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cards Against Humanity disappeared off the face of the planet, which I think, or like it, it disappeared away from the zeitgeist at the right time. Interesting. Yeah, it feels like uh like Lin Manuel Miranda too. Like they like <laughs> they they peaked in like twenty. Where did he go? Eighteen or something, and then they're no longer cool anymore. I Are you a musical fan? I'm not a musical fan actually. No. 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 How, how do you? How did Lin Manuel Miranda come into your orbit? You just know who he is. You know, it was that era when everyone was like raving about Hamilton like all the time. Yeah. It was just a musical, I guess, on Broadway, and and yes. I actually didn't listen to. Him to Hamilton at all until until I saw it live. On, oh, did you see it live or did you see it on Disney Plus? I saw it live, yeah. I went to New York and it, it's funny, it's right across from the Church of Scientology. They have this big building there. Yeah. And so I, I had an hour to kill, so I, I got tested as uh, in, in the sort of this Church of Scientology framework. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's so long. What was the test result? I needed it. I needed... That's what they said? Scientology, yeah, that's what they said. It was, it's actually wow. funny. So I did this thing, they gave me this chart, it kind of has this graph of, of things and and I went outside with it. Actually, I don't think they let me keep it, actually. But I went outside and I noticed that, like, the this, this sort of A-frame sign for yeah. Scientology has an example of the test. It matched my curve completely. So I kind of went back in and I was like, hey, like, isn't it kind of weird that this thing matches, like, completely That's to this thing? so funny. Did they have an answer? No. Unfortunately, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, getting mad at like a, I don't know, like a retail store employee, right? Like they can't, I know. they can't really do not, anything about it. or can't or... really talk to the manager at the <laughs> But yeah, I saw, I saw Hamilton for the first time live and it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, and one of, the, one of the things I remember from Hamilton that I loved about it was at the end, you know, all, all these other musicals, I've seen a few, you know, like they, they kind of do things staggered, right? Like the main, the leads come out and then the next people come out and they're Hamilton. They, they just all come out, they do a bow and then they leave yes. and that's it. Yes. And I just love, I noticed that as well. Yeah. It's, and it's just like, it's just like small things like that where you're like, wow, they really thought through kind of like this, it's kind of a tried to tried term now in, in tech, but like first principles, right? Like they kind of mm. didn't just do what everyone else does. It feel, felt like they were like, what's the right thing to do? And I think the right thing to do is just like everyone participated equally in this production. And yes, they all literally had their part to play. I mean, exactly. in Shakespearean, there are no small parts, only small actors. Exactly. Yes, that is that's a great line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I was very impressed. Like, I I think it actually speaks to the quality of the of the actual performance when when I think all the details like that. It's kind of like the Steve Jobs, like you know, like the inside of the laptop has to look just as good as the outside of the laptop, sort of thing. Wow, look at that! I wasn't expecting us to go from. Hamilton to Scientology to Steve Jobs, but I don't know why I'm surprised because here we are. <laughs> Sahil, have you ever read a book twice? I have. I read Foundation every year, the Foundation series. I'm a really? huge, huge fan, and now that's uh, now on Apple TV. So, uh, wow, pretty exciting. It is one of those kind of. I just love reading them. Like it's just what? Pretty- what is it? 
what is it about? It's uh, called the Foundation Series by Isaac Asimov. Asimov. Okay. It's basically about a mathematician who discovers that society gets so big, civilization is you know tri- this is a kind of sci-fi okay. trillions of humans. Is this humans. in the future? It's in the future. When there's just so many humans, it's kind of like a. I think the analogy they use is particles in a ball, where you can't predict the path of any one particle oh. that can you know the ball is made of, but you can kind of yes. predict like the whole mass as an average. Humanity gets so big that you can kind of almost do that. For all of humanity and, and and kind of talks through basically this mathematician comes up with this science and then tells the world like by the way what this shows is that humanity's screwed like love it. all of rome style is like, it a good book series i loved it I, I really i really loved it i mean you know it was written a long time ago so there's probably some critiques of it uh very yes. now um like anything but uh i really like them they're super they're super short uh, okay. like 200 like pages or so each each one there's like three i think in the main series well there we go I, I like to add books to my book list though i don't like it when people unsolicited recommend a book to me because i'm like i feel like they just gave me a chore yeah and i always feel bad that i haven't read the book they're like have you read this book and i'm like I, no and they're like you'd love it and i'm like i'm sure i would but i literally <laughs> don't know when i would do that <laughs> please don't recommend a book to me unless it's the minimalist entrepreneur yeah <laughs> Yes. Okay, Sahil, do you have a pump-up song? I love Kanye West, so any of his uh, Yeezus is probably my favorite oh, album. Oh, yeah. So any Yeezus. Particular like, song off that that gets you going? Whatever is that song that goes... Yes. Uh, what song is that? <laughs> Might be called Yeezus. I don't know. But that's a great one. Blood on the Leaves is my favorite song from that album. Oh, you Power is, is an amazing cool. song by Kanye. Isn't Fade on that? Fade? I'm not sure. I feel it fade. Yeah, I think so. I basically exclusively listen to, to rap. Is Kanye your favorite rapper? Probably holistically, yes. But I think rap lyrical-wise, I would say probably yeah. Kendrick Lamar is my favorite rapper. Oh, nice. He's like nice. A rapper's rapper, you know? But I'm not I'm not into it enough to, you know, I'm sure I'm, I wouldn't call myself a connoisseur or anything like that. Yeah, I get that. I'm actually a big Childish Gambino fan. I really loved when he was making a lot of music. That was awesome. He's multifaceted. He he does all the things. By the way, NYU alum, fellow NYU alum, Donald Glover. He is such a good actor. He's a great writer. He's so funny. He's a great rapper. He's good. He's just, I love him. Yeah, he's, he's Huge an inspiration. Fan. Yeah. I agree. Okay, I have one final question for you, Sahil, which is what would you title your memoir? The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Is this a memoir? No, no it's not. It's not a memoir. It's not a memoir. <laughs> Life of Sahil or something stupidly boring, irreverent and what is it? Irreverent and aloof. Irreverent and aloof. The life and times. Uh, capitalism has like this very negative connotation, but I, I I like the phrase capitalist artist for some reason. Oh, really? In the context of the creator economy, I think it's, yes. it's like it's good for creators to think about like how do you build equity of value course. over time, right? Like yes. it doesn't have to be like equity in a startup or, or something like that, but you know, just some sort of compounding thing, right? Brand, yes. audience, et cetera. So I wish more artists kind of thought about it in the context of like, oh my God, I agree capital. so much. Unfortunately, you know, you say capitalism in a room and it, people kind of freak out. I agree. If I can convince people like everyone, including especially artists that like owning capital, trying to get on the other side of the labor capital debate or or, or fight or whatever is, is, is good. I would love to be able to, to kind of do that. So yeah, let's say the capitalist artist. Ooh, I do love that. Okay, that's amazing. Sal, thank you so much for joining me on Non-Technical. Where can people find more about you? You're welcome. Uh, people can go to Twitter. I'm at SHL on Twitter, which is like the startup version of my first name. And back in the Web 2.0 Flickr days, 
And then I have a book coming out. So you can check that out, minimalistentrepreneur.com. Wow, you have the .com for that? I did. Yeah, I had to buy it, actually. I spent like $3,000. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like kind of an expensive domain. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's like so long, too. So it's not even like... Right. It's like not even like nice and pithy. Like it's not even minimalist, frankly. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like both words, minimalist it's and so entrepreneur. I'm like, oh, this is. Hopefully, uh, people know that at least I'm self-aware about that. <laughs> well, Sahil, well, I guess what I would say to you is trust the process. Trust the process. And you can find more about me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. One more time, 10 months in the making. Sahil, this is everything I dreamed of and more. I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.